Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Reshma. I'm so excited. This week, we're going to re-release uh, a podcast that I did with Christina from United We Dream. This has been a really hard week. Um, I think not just for me, but for so many of us as we are seeing how children are being ripped apart from their parents at the border. Uh, you know, as for me, as, a, as my family came here as refugees, and I know that my father and my mother would have done anything to make sure that I have every opportunity in the world. And when, when you watch what's happening and the damage that we're doing to these children, it breaks my heart. Uh, and it's uh, a call for everyone to engage in some form of action, whether you're donating, whether you're protesting, whether you're going to a march, whether you're, you're engaging in civil disobedience. We have to be constantly reminded that sometimes there are moments in our country where we have to fight for our values. Thank you. You're listening to Brave Not Perfect with Rashma Sajani, presented by Anchor and Girls Who Code. Hey, Rashma Sajani here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Brave Not Perfect, a podcast featuring conversations with brave, not perfect changemakers. This week, I'm talking with Christina Jimenez Moreta, a 2017 MacArthur Fellow and social justice organizer who advocates for immigration reform with a focus on keeping the movement youth led. She's the executive director and co-founder of United We Dream, the country's largest immigrant youth-led organization. Christina, just tell us your name and like what you do for our listeners. Sure. Um, My name is Christina Jimenez, and I am the executive director and co-founder of United We Dream. Uh, United We Dream is the largest immigrant youth-led network in the country. How did you, did you start, were you the founder of United We Dream? How did you start getting involved? I grew up undocumented in New York, and my parents are undocumented. My brother Jonathan is a DACA recipient, and um, you know, growing up undocumented, you always um, have the fear in the back of your head that you and your family members could be detained and deported. And as a as a as a teen uh, growing up in New York City, I always had the fear that my parents could be deported um, and wasn't aware that my undocumented status could also be a barrier to access higher education, which was one of the dreams that my parents had when we came to this country. And so my experience undocumented with my family, all of that really moved me to uh, figure out, you know, how to engage and do something to protect my family and to be able to go to college as I was uh, graduating from high school. So I found a group of young undocumented people in New York City that were organizing to push our state to provide um, access for undocumented students to go to college. And I found them and that's how I started organizing at the age of 19. And um, got to meet many young people like myself in New York and in other parts of the country, which led to the formation of United We Dream in 2008. Was there like a moment that happened or something that happened that led you to that activism? Do you remember? You know, I will say there were two moments that I, I always think about as turning points for me. Um, one of them being when my high school graduation was coming and um, my college advisor said to me that I was not going to be able to go to college because of my undocumented status. And 
you know, that first was earth shattering for me because that was, again, like a big dream for my family and for me. Um, and that uh, propelled me to, you know, push my uh, teachers to help me apply and to not give up. And my mom really pushed me to figure out a way together for how I could get to college. And that's what connected me to young people that were fighting for access to college, like me, who were undocumented in New York. And, you know, the, the fear of deportation never, at least for my own life, became a reality. And though I still live with that fear because my parents are undocumented, it didn't get to be as real as in 2007 when a friend of mine at the time, Walter, who is now my partner, he was uh, undocumented and he was traveling from New York to Chicago for a meeting that we have put together, uh, a national meeting that we put together in Chicago for other undocumented young people to come together and uh, you know, build communities, support each other, and to strategize for how we were going to pass uh, the DREAM Act at the federal level or advocate for the DREAM Act. And during that trip, we uh, thought that Walter will be more safe by traveling by train versus taking a flight. What we did not know is that the route from New York to Chicago goes through Buffalo, uh, which is close to the Canadian border, where Border Patrol agents frequently get into Amtrak trains and or buses and ask people for their papers, uh, for their citizenship papers. And that day, Walter was detained by Border Patrol. He was racially profiling the train along with other people of color in the car where he was in. And he was detained and put in deportation proceedings. And so I remember getting a call at five in the morning letting me know that Walter uh, was in a detention facility in upstate New York and that uh, he was being put in deportation proceedings. And that was one of the most scariest moments where that fear of deportation just became so real. And it was through our organizing efforts, uh, you know, coming together Uh, getting signatures of people, uh, making phone calls to the detention center, getting members of Congress involved to intervene. For Walter, that was the way that we were able to stop his deportation and get him out of the detention facility. How does that make you feel to kind of live your life in a limbo like that every day? You know, um, thankfully today... Walter and I are no longer undocumented and we have green card protections. But as I said, you know, my brother is a DACA recipient and my parents are undocumented and all of the the majority of the young people that I work with in United We Dream are undocumented and um, vulnerable to deportation. And just the level of trauma and pain that it has on you as a person, as a human, in your family, it's just, it's just so deep uh, because you live in a constant state of anxiety and fear. Um, you know that the you fear that the next call that is coming from your brother or from your undocumented loved ones, it's a call to tell you that they have been detained or that they're being put in deportation proceedings and. You know, just like I remember when I received the call about Walter, 
at five in the morning in 2007. And it's, um, you know, you can't, you, you can't feel, uh, certain about your future, about whether you will be able to be with your family. Um, so it's a constant state of fear and anxiety that, you know, ends up uh, having a huge, huge impact in the mental and emotional state of all of us and all of our communities and families. Looking at some of the images on Capitol Hill and, you know, the dreamers are, are some of the bravest people I've ever met. Like, where does that come from? Well, you know, I think it really comes from our families and our communities and our parents. You know, I, I think of my parents who took the risk to leave everything behind to come to this country uh, fleeing poverty and fleeing a country that was in a political turmoil at the time where there were no jobs, where I couldn't have access to education, where we didn't even have food. For the love of their family and their kids, they uh, took the risk to come to a country that they had never known and you know, left everything behind and were really courageous in doing that for their kids. And I know that many parents and families make those decisions so, you know, we just got the horrible news, right? That DACA was left out of the budget deal. What's this process been like for me, for you? And what, you know, what keeps you going from one setback, one disappointment, one broken promise after the other? You know, for us as people from communities impacted and undocumented young people are never going to give up because this is about our lives and our families and our lives are at stake but it's really outraging and disappointing and angering to uh, see members of Congress do uh, nothing to protect uh, young people in our communities from deportation in the most aggressive and cruel environment that we have seen against immigrants. You know, this is a way for, as he has said, welcome uh, immigrants from Norway (laughs) and ensure that no more immigrants from countries of people of color can come in. And so it is very clear for everyone, I believe, that his advisors like Miller, his administration, and many members of Congress actually support that ideology. And so it's very shameful, I think, for us as a country to be in a moment where in the face of such nativist and hateful immigration policy and um, political discourse, the members of Congress have failed to stand up against nativism and and are rather allowing this administration to continue to drive this ideology. Yeah, I mean, it's deeply unconscionable. I mean, my family came here as refugees and, you know, it's, this is all of us in it together. And, uh, you know, they're putting our values at, at risk, but, but what, I mean, you've seen it, right. You've looked into their faces and their eyes. Why? And I, I'm, t- I, I understand Trump, but the Democrats, like like-minded people who allegedly share the same values about what this democracy means. Like why, why are they unwilling to fight? I think that that's a question better, better directed at them. Um, but I think that, you know, from our perspective, I simply think is 
you know, many Democrats have stood with us. And in fact, uh, when you look at some of the members of the Senate and the House, many actually stood against this uh, vision of the country and did not support these spending measures because it did not include the Dream Act and a solution that will protect young people like my brother. And then you also have other Democrats who, unfortunately, I have to say, lack leadership and uh, do not, and, and through their votes, even if their their words or their speeches may say differently, through their votes, through their actions, they have demonstrated that they are willing to enable a racist, nativist administration. Yeah. So to close, what's your one advice you'd give to young people for learning how to be brave? You know, in this moment where... <clears throat> Um, Congress has just passed, you know, spending measures that provide resources for community clinics and child and, and, and programs, uh, healthcare programs for children like CHIP and also disaster relief for many of the states that had, you know, were impacted by the storms earlier uh, last year. All of those issues matter and they matter to our communities too, because we were also impacted by them. And my message to our young people is that even though the message out of this vote tells you that all of those priorities matter more than your life uh, and your community, my advice will be don't let them divide us and uh, know that you are loved, that you are worthy, and that you're not alone because all of us are going to keep fighting to protect young people. And it is the courage that gave visibility to our struggle and to our experiences as undocumented communities. Uh, it is that courage that led us to winning programs like DACA under the Obama administration that protected close to a million young people from deportation. And it's going to be courage that is going to lead us forward to finding ways uh, that our communities will be protected. And it is courage that sustains our families and our undocumented parents that continue to go to work and sustain uh, their families and, and give us love. So that's that's what I will share. Thank you. That's powerful. Thank you so much for your time and keep fighting. Thank you. We're, you know, we're really grateful. The last thing that we will lose is hope. Um, no, we can't lose hope. And that's why, you know, I really hope and believe that the majority of the country is with us. I mean, the polls have showed that, but I, you know, I also believe that 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 vision and those values will will supersede the moment that we're in right now. Yeah. I mean, the, right, the arc of justice always bends in the right direction. We just have to not give up. And I, I think your message is really powerful and I think people need to hear it. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Got a question for me? Send us a note at bravenotperfectpodcast at gmail.com or call in directly via the Anchor app on your phone. Until next time, this has been an episode of Brave Not Perfect with me, Reshma Sajani. Reshma Sajani.